going on this pig right now. What? This and rice ain't gonna do this. This house. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about thought narratives. And thought narratives. <laughs> Welcome, but the Welcome to Marginalia <laughs> thought narratives. It's, it's, no, you know we gotta be a little. <laughs> Yo, we see Marginalia thought narratives. Welcome to Marginalia. I'm Tamar. And I'm Frida. Welcome, everybody. This is our first episode, and we're very excited and very nervous. <laughs> very. So, Frida, do you want to introduce oh, yeah, sure. what we're doing so, here? Um, this, is the, this is the result of a very long, thought-out process from the semester where we've been grappling with ideas of women of color feminism and all of this whole thing seems very like really organic and like it was meant to be and like the universe kind of laid this project in our lap and so we're using um, this bridge called my back as a basis for this podcast for this exhibit for this project because we really believe in it and um, it's an anthology written by radical women of color which was first published in 1981 and it was uh, re-released in 2015 and so we feel really fortunate I feel yes. really fortunate to have it um, absolutely with us and to use it um, as a means of validating our existence and our power and our strength yes all of that all yeah. of that, <laughs> all of that. Um, I guess we should start by talking a little bit about the inception of this project and what brought us together and it started at Nielsen Library for those of you who are unaware Nielsen is the main library at Smith College and we were sitting one night reading this bridge and decided to read the Kumbahi River collective statement mm -hmm. to each other the feminist collective and um, through that process of just reading and unpacking it just became very emotional very real we wrote about this and how incredibly moving it was to mm -hmm. share the experience with each other so we were hoping in some way the podcast could replicate that or give some of you insight into what that experience was like mm -hmm. yeah. so we're going to do a little bit more of that tonight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um for those of you listening thank you <laughs> and by the we way we love you <laughs> podcasting on lock like this is real official this is definitely not <laughs> something that i like had had in my mind as like an inception my shit was like real basic like i didn't think that we were gonna do all of this and like cook yes. you know Naroko gandules and yes. pernil and all of this stuff at the ada house which is the non-traditional program housing here at smith which yes. is just a fancy way of saying that we are a population of students who are older you know, between the ages being 24 and, like, 65, depending on who you talk to. Um, 
yeah, and I definitely wasn't expecting the project to take this route. And so I'm like excited to see how it all plays out. It's gonna be Me cool. too. You remember when we were sitting on Chapin Lawn? Yes. And yes, we, we should talk about, about the that. moment. Let's talk about the moment that first of all, let's talk about this class. Let's talk about yes, this bridge called My Bag, Women of Color Culture Production. Yes. Taught by Professor Juliana. Juliana mm-hmm. Who? Yes. Peggy's who? And the fact that I was not even going to step into this classroom <laughs> if it was yes. not for Frida dragging me in there. It was kind of like, and for me, it was, I was really excited to, the title of the course, I really intrigued my my interest. It was, it's called like Swag 204. Yes. Yeah. Women, this bridge called my back, women of color. Cultural production. Cultural, cultural production. I was like, oh shit. Like this, what when I was that? reading it, I was like, oh my God, what is that? It was like oh the God. first thing yes. that I had seen in the catalog. And I was like, wow, like this is like kind of what I've been waiting for to study. Like in your last semester. In my last semester, like I'm literally graduating in like two weeks. And so <laughs> this was, this is kind of like godsend and and really great to be able to participate in this class in this way when all of my ideas having yes. been here for two and a half years are like coming to fruition and things are like a little more clearer than they were when I first started because yes. I can't say I know what I'm doing next or what's happening but I can say that I've been like sustained through this class and that day like it was like the first week of class probably like the second day of class yes. if not the first oh no was it, it was the, the second day it was the second day was it the second yeah. day okay because um Sitting on the lawn, I remember you were coming from somewhere, you were dashing. Probably. And they, they were like cooking, and then we decided to sit down, and I'm like, yeah, you should just... Sit in on this class. Yeah, just sit, sit on in, this class. you know, it's like your first semester, your you're, uh, yes. first year, first year Ada. Um, and I remember just, just come. Yeah. yeah, and I remember being overwhelmed and feeling like I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. And I didn't care where Frida was taking me, <laughs> but I was just happy that she was taking me somewhere mm. and that it was a class that I could sit in with her. Mm. So it was pretty incredible sitting in. And I remember just reading the syllabus mm. and being brought to tears because, mm. I mean, not just the content, but even the the way she set up her curriculum and the way she explained her teaching style mm. um, was just really incredible to me and it was new it was the first time I had ever seen a class structured that way mm-hmm. I had also read some of the books I had read Zami a new spelling of my name by R.G. Lord which was assigned mm-hmm. in the curriculum and I just knew it was a place for me to be it was the perfect way for me to start my semester yeah you were like literally crying I was literally crying because I had <laughs> never seen this type of work being done in yeah. a classroom before and it was just powerful it was that, so inspiring yes that a professor cared that much yeah. and that a professor cared so much to even structure how we would be speaking to each other definitely right you were like i don't need to take like psychology class i was like fuck psychology (laughs) i was like this is psychology this is the real fucking work exactly this This is is what you call psychology right my first psychology class i was like fuck this (laughs) this isn't happening but i'm dropping that shit yes i'm dropping it immediately and i signed up for this course and and remember when she had us yeah remember she had us like running back and forth you remember we had us playing that game? Like, she had us read the Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we played, like, a competitive game in the beginning. Yeah. And my true competitive spirit came out, and I was running back and forth, and we won because <laughs> we're lit. And we, that was awesome. Yes, that was amazing. And then Sakona from Hampshire College, she walked in the class. And I was just like, who the fuck is and this? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> she's here. I'm so excited she's here. I'm like, yes, this is going to be so dope. Yes. 
It was her, you and I. Yes. Tracy, I hadn't met yet. Tracy, I think, came a little later. Yolandi came, came a little later, too. Yolandi came a little later. Actually, Yolandi saw me. This is ironic, because I was sitting... Like, this is probably the second or third class. I was sitting in front of the museum, and I was reading this bridge. And she comes over, and she starts talking to me, like, about her thesis and, like, what she's working on. And she's like, oh, who's making you read this bridge? <laughs> and I was like, it's my swag class. We're about mm-hmm. to go in. You want to come? Oh, shit. She I didn't was, know you brought yeah, her in, too. and she was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll come with you. I'm like, yeah, you should. It's great. The class is awesome. And now that was the third class. That I was think. like the third class. Yeah, yeah. So you brought in two people, <laughs> two amazing fucking people, oh, two incredible human beings. And Yolandi is also a part of this podcast as yes. well. I don't even think we explained. No, we didn't. Explain. We didn't explain. Okay. So <laughs> we should explain that a part of the audio that you all are going to hear is audio that Frida and I took at a dinner party at Fifty Four Green Street. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of impromptu, and the dinner was unrelated to the recording, we had one of our peers, Yomara, um, come and tell us that she wanted to cook us a dinner and that we could bring food, I yes. think, right? Well, she was, yeah, she had, she usually goes to New York because she has right. a family. She's she's engaged with two boys, and so she goes back and forth to New York pretty frequently every weekend. And this happened to be November 15th. It was, like, That's right. the one weekend where she, like, wasn't going to be in New York. And That's so right. she was, like, oh, you yeah, know, she sent the email and was, like, oh, I would love to cook for you guys. You should That's come. Right. And the yes. first thing you did was, like, can I record this conversation? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because I remember thinking, like, how the fuck are we going to start this thing? I've never done a podcast. And it seemed like the perfect opportunity to get everyone together. Yeah, it was great. So, so. It was yeah. like so she was cooking like the meal that we like all need to eat because mm-hmm. the food is like crazy bland it's just like there's no mariana who's like another girl in our class mm-hmm. she's feisty feisty little puerto rican girl <laughs> um she posted the other day on facebook saying like how do you like colonize the whole world <laughs> yeah and like take, take all, all our spices, spices all our culture and you still make bland, bland ass, ass food. food why why do you do that? Oh my god! So and um, we still look to that meal exactly as the best meal we've had this semester. So, yes, exactly. So, Basically, yeah, we were like, hell yeah! I was like, I'll be there. Yeah, like I'm coming from New York, but I'll bring a cheesecake. That's right, and we'll make it work. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we did. That's what we did, and it was beautiful, it and was the food great. was delicious, and the conversation was amazing. Yeah, so it, it was me, you, yeah. um, Raven, Raven, who also went to our community college, LaGuardia, New York. Yes, whoop, whoop. Whoop. Long Island <laughs> City, stand up. <laughs> New York <laughs> and Siomara. Yes. Um Zoraida. Zoraida who also went to LaGuardia. And she also went she's Lest a baby in LaGuardia yes. too. And um LaGuardian and LaGuardian. and Dulce. Dulce and Yolandi. And Yolandi. Yeah. yeah. So we got we got quite a mixture. Seven beautiful women of color energy sitting around a table yes. eating pernil. Yes. And aguacate. Yes. <laughs> you gotta practice your yes. Spanish, bitch. Aguacate, because I'm gonna be taking Spanish, because I'm going to Cuba. I'm leaving y'all forever. I'm gone. I ain't coming back. Fuck y'all. No. I am trying to go to Cuba, though. Yes. And you're gonna love it. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's what you all will be ex- experiencing. And it's gonna be lit. It's gonna be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um... Where do yeah, we begin? So I know I don't know. Like, what do we do? Do we talk? Do you want to talk about Nielsen? I feel like I, I oh yeah over yeah. It. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. we should talk more. We touched on it, <laughs> like how this started, but I feel like we should talk a bit about the Kumbahi River, River Collective, Collective yeah. and the Black Feminist Statement. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, the the reading that we did of it and the unpacking that we did of it 
and um, just what it inspired. It, it, and it basically inspired this moment, but more importantly, it inspired, I can speak for myself, um, just some realizations and some really like great perspectives I gained on my agency, like on things I had not spoken, but that were made very, that were validated and mm -hmm. made visible to me. And I just remember sitting and crying mm -hmm. and you crying. And I remember one particular sentence that struck us and then you started crying and I started crying. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> what it was, but it was just so powerful. I don't know if you could find it. Yeah. But, um, and I don't even know why we, we were just like, yeah, you want to re read it together? Would, yeah. Like, it was so I random. Think, yeah. I think it was also the class, you know, it was, I think it's the material and the content, but also the way who, who like, poses you know engages our learning yeah and the way and she gives a space to, to it's you exactly yeah. to learn yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know? because it's you yeah so and, we, and it was just an opportunity to get to know frida too yeah, honestly seriously. um so we go there Let's sure just take, take sure. a look at it let's look see. at it so this is in this bridge it's a critical part of this bridge i think it's an interesting inquiry as to why who made us read this first? Mm -hmm. It's the first assigned reading That's right. of the book. That's so, right. um, and a reading that I've had assigned in other courses. Yeah, this semester. Yeah. So it and it was it's interesting because I also read it in other courses, mm -hmm. but to me it just felt like wow, like this is we're, I'm we're gonna read it in this class, and it just for me it had like a deeper significance, and I had lent to it before. Right. Not that the the meaning or what what the collective asserts I don't believe in, but just the fact that we were going to do it in that space with women of color, right. you know, in a predominantly white institution. And reading it out loud. And reading it out loud. And I think also, like, the fact that we decided to read it out loud yeah. to each other was And not give a damn more... who we were yeah. disturbing. Disturbing. <laughs> we read that shit loud. Yes. In the lobby of Nielsen. And then it was like, oh, my God, we should do this thing. Yes. We got to do this again. This, can, is, yes. this, this is knowledge production <laughs> yes, right here. Right like, now. Why can't we ha like have these conversations recorded yes. so that others can hear? Yep. Here we are. And, yep. <laughs> and also, are. like, why don't we learn this all the time? Exactly. Why isn't the whole exactly. world learning why this? Why is this the first time I learned that I have a voice? Yes, exactly. And that my experiences are meaningful as I eat my Hershey's candy cane bar. And then our anger and rage, sadness, and yes. sometimes hopelessness is is validated and true. Yes. Yeah. Like, so I don't even know, because it was just like, remember we were like chopping it up and we were like, you every may not sentence. have even gotten past. I don't think we got past the second page. Basically. Unless, oh yeah. We may have. We may have. If I remember, we dissected the introduction mm -hmm. and then... We went through each. I think we got through here. We must have. And then we were like, okay, that's it. Yeah, it was, it was probably 1, 1 a.m. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Not that's it, but it was like, whoa, this is heavy. Yeah. Where do you want to start? You? Oh, this um, was also what I thought was so interesting. Was that it was named after a place um, in oh, South Carolina. Yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah. Um, this is the, I think, the particular context of this the creation of this i think they've written they have it somewhere i think it's in the back what we're looking at is where the origin of the name yeah the kombahi kombahi river collective stems from mm -hmm. um i think it's in the very back oh because i'm yeah, at the very end oh is it okay. mm -hmm. 
right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Quimbahi River Collective is a black feminist group in Boston whose name comes from the guerrilla action conceptualized and led by Harriet Tubman on June 2nd, 1863 in the Port Royal region of South Carolina. This action freed more than 750 slaves and is the only military campaign in American history planned and led by a woman. woman. <laughs> Holla! <laughs> I remember reading that and being like, yes. Whoa. Yes. And it said, I have been woken. Yes. I, I am woke. Suddenly. And, and the statement is dated um, April 1977. Wow. So that's how many years? It predates. 1977, 2007. So it's like 40? Over 40 years. Over 40 years. Yeah. And predates the actual publication of this book, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So we want to read some part of it? Yeah. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Um, I think you want to start here. Uh, yeah, I think this was also this was also like um, we had like this visceral reaction. Um, yeah, I guess this is important too. Okay, so this is actually one of the four major topics mm -hmm. in the Kumbahi River Collective statement, um, and it's titled "The Genesis of Contemporary Black Feminism." Yes, please. Before looking at the recent development of black feminism, we would like to affirm that we find our origins in the historical reality of Afro-American women's continuous life and death struggle for survival and liberation, black women's extremely negative relationship to the American political system, a system of white male rule, has always been determined by our membership in, a two, in two oppressed racial and sexual castes. As Angela Davis points out in Reflections on the Black Woman's Role in the Community of Slaves, Black women have always embodied, if only in their physical manifestation, an mm. adversary stance to white male rule and have actively resisted its inroads upon them and their communities in both dramatic and subtle ways. There have, been, there have always been Black women activists, some known like Sir Joyner, Truth, Harriet Tubman, Francis E.W. Harper, Heidi B. Wells Barnett, and Mary Church Terrell, and thousands upon thousands unknown who had shared awareness of how their sexual identity combined with their racial identity to make their whole life situation and the focus of their political struggles unique. Contemporary Black feminism is the outgrowth of countless generations of personal sacrifice, militancy, and work by our mothers and sisters. Hmm. A black feminist presence has evolved, most obviously in connection with the second wave of the American women's movement beginning in the late 1960s. Black, other third world, and working women have been involved in the feminist movement from its start. But both outside, reactionary forces and racism and elitism within the movement itself have served to obscure our participation. In 1973, black feminists, primarily located in New York, felt the necessity of forming a separate black feminist group. This became the National Black Feminist Organization, NBFO. Should I continue? Sure. 
Um, black feminist politics also have an obvious connection to movements for black liberation, particularly those of the 60s and 70s. Many of us were active in those movements, civil rights, black nationalism, the Black Panthers, and all of our lives were greatly affected and changed by the ideology, their goals, and the tactics used to achieve their goals. It was our experience and disillusionment within these liberal liberation movements, as well as experience on the periphery of the white male left that led to the need to develop a political, a politic that was anti-racist, unlike those of white women and anti-sexist, unlike those of black and white men. There's also undeniably a personal genesis for black feminism. That is the political realization that comes from the seemingly personal experiences of individual black women's lives. Black feminists and many more black women who do not define themselves as feminists have all experienced sexual oppression as a constant factor in our day-to-day -day existence. As children, we realize that we are different from boys and that we are treated differently. For example, we were told in the same breath to be quiet, both for the sake of being quote-unquote ladylike and to make us less objectionable in the eyes of white people. As we grow older, we become aware of the threat of physical and sexual abuse by men. However, we had no way of, no, of conceptualizing what, so, what was so apparent to us, what we knew was really happening. Black feminists often talk about their feelings of craziness before becoming conscious of the concepts of sexual politics, patriarchal rule, and most importantly, feminism. The political analysis and practice that we women use to struggle against our oppression. The fact that racial politics and indeed racism are pervasive factors in our lives did not allow us and still does not allow us and still does not allow most black women to look more deeply into our own experiences and from that sharing and growing consciousness to build a politics that will change our lives and inevitably end our oppression. Our development must also be tied to the contemporary economic and political position of black people. The post-World War II generation of Black youth was the first to be able to minimally partake of certain educational and employment options previously closed completely to Black people. Although our economic position is still at the very bottom of American capitalistic economy, a handful of us have been able to gain certain tools as a result of tokenism mm -hmm. in education and employment, which potentially enable us to more effectively fight our oppression. A combined anti-racist and anti-sexist position drew us together initially. And as we develop politically, we've addressed ourselves to be heterosexism. We have addressed ourselves to heterosexism and economic oppression under capitalism. Hmm. It's interesting how it went right into tokenism. Yeah. Which we, we talked about yes. during our dinner. Yes. <laughs> um, very extensively. Very right? extensively. Yes. And um, how it's not, it's in, it's interesting that it, there is a negative connotation to it, but at the same time, I felt like at the dinner, we, we were reclaiming that, mm -hmm. which is why we were like saying thought narratives, because mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's the whole respectability thing about being in the world as a black woman, as a woman of color, mm -hmm. and like how those things have certain parameters that are set up by society. And I think there's perhaps a consciousness coming into the world about how fucked up and like, not real that really is. Yeah. And like coming out of, you know, trying I to like, think so. Yeah. I definitely mm -hmm. think so. Mm -hmm. I, it, I mean, if anything, I feel it. I feel like I am less conscious of how I'm presenting and how I'm, and what I'm representing to others. Mm -hmm. And I'm embracing more of the code 
embracing less of the code switching mm. that I would typically do during the day. And I'm yeah. embracing cursing yes. out loud yes. and calling people thought and hoe yes. and bitch <laughs> and, and twerk that and shit. twerking my yes. shit. <laughs> and just it, those words are delicious to me now because they're so <laughs> yes. provocative and I, and because I can own them. Mm-hmm. So without, any, yeah. Yeah. Without, yeah. Without feeling shame, without feeling like you're gonna make somebody uncomfortable. That I'm gonna make someone uncomfortable. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, white discomfort has been, I think, one of the biggest obstacles I faced on this campus. This is my first semester, mm-hmm. and I think this is the first time in my life, especially coming from New York City, that I'm in, that I'm encountering white discomfort in the way that I am, particularly in the classroom and the reluctancy from some of my classmates to speak up and actually voice their opinions and their their beliefs in my presence so Mm -hmm. yeah and and I don't know if you'll find this and I think it's also kind of ironic or maybe not that it's your first semester and my last I know so like talk about intergenerational dialogue and stuff and like how how much of this anthology is based on that kind of like into the intergenerational dialogue among women um and when they went into creating this yeah um but you know how you talk about like that white discomfort mm-hmm. or like white fragility as mm-hmm. it's sometimes referred to as yeah. also um white fragility. Yeah, like yes. y- you you won't you won't they don't like maybe they don't you're feeling as if they don't express their what they're truly feeling. Mm. And in my case, I've seen very recently actually where pe- white women or white self-identified women um do say that they do acknowledge their privilege, they do acknowledge their whiteness. Um but yet there's still this kind of like stonewall effect, mm-hmm. you know. Like they, they acknowledge it, but in the same breath That's they as far say as they're willing to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. They they acknowledge it, but in the same breath they stay. They say that they still believe in the system as it stands today. Yeah. Even though they recognize, or they say things that reinforce yeah. that notion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like that. Just so, how much of it is a performance? Mm. How much of it, you know, is like? That's a great point. How much of it is a performance? Let's yeah. talk about that. How yeah, much of it seriously. is a performance? Like, how much of it is? just a desire to like create this false sense of like peace or camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot about this. I think a lot about the white friends that I have who take part in white supremacy or take part in upholding it through in different ways. And sometimes it's very unknowing. Like it's, it's just, it's the norm, right. Mm -hmm. To, uh, to uphold the system. So, and, can I stop you mm-hmm. without interrupting? So before we go into like the performance aspect, mm-hmm. what do you, what do we think white supremacy is? What do we think it is? Yeah, like what is white supremacy, as we understand it? Like as you understand yeah. it, like how do you understand as I understand white supremacy? it? White supremacy is a system that functions through the economic model of capitalism mm-hmm. that sustains itself through a, ca- a racial caste system and has sustained itself through a racial caste system. I believe that the, in- the, the inception of white supremacy, of capitalism, mm-hmm. stems from the creation of, ra- of race mm-hmm. and the need to subjugate and create another in order to create a hierarchy, a caste system, one, mm-hmm. one in which that justifies building wealth on the back of another person. Mm-hmm. Even though at the time of its inception, it wasn't, we weren't deemed people, we were deemed animals. Yeah. So... That to me is white supremacy. White supremacy at this point in 2015 is the vestiges of slavery 
as it as they function in society, but also the less like the things that aren't as easily seen, right? So the benefits, or, or I should say, the privileges that that others that white people can partake in, um, whether it be to gain finance, to have financial gain, mm-hmm. or just social gain, to gain any type of social economic mobility, to take part in it willingly, knowingly. Um, knowing that they are oppressing others Mm -hmm. that to me is white supremacy it's and also white supremacy is is acknowledging like self-identifying as white which i know upsets people because there's an identity wrapped around whiteness it seems Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um i don't i've never had that identity clearly articulated to me Mm. it's so interesting you say that yeah yeah whereas blackness as an idea Mm -hmm. is very easily articulated Mm -hmm. to people when I ask people to articulate mm. what white culture is, yeah. they tend to, to drop yeah. and stop because there's it's not true. really a way to articulate it without talking about race, without talking about racism and without talking about, you know, there isn't, I mean, it hinges the fact on that. that it doesn't yeah. exist, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fact that it's built on a complete lie and an idea that, you know, that cannot be substantiated. So what is your idea of white supremacy? Well, I think to expand upon your ideas is also like I think you're you're, you're getting at the structural stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and also this idea that like whiteness is this kind of creation of something that's not real, mm-hmm. which is very true that we all like are affected by mm-hmm. one way or the other. But I, I mean to complement what you're saying is like it's also psychic, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. where, when we think about um, how when we were saying twerking, like mm-hmm. you know whatever. In the last decade, that probably wouldn't have been respectable, but there's this mm-hmm. consciousness around reclaiming that as yeah. a, as expression, as liberation mm-hmm. from white supremacist norms mm-hmm. that usually, you know, that usually pronounce themselves like as, you know, you're married mm-hmm. with a husband with somebody with a penis, mm-hmm. like a, you know, a biological penis, and you you eventually get married, you have a house, you're college educated. You know, you have children, you have the dog, like that's like the aspiration of whatever the quote unquote American dream is. Mm -hmm. So there's that part that like that complements the structural, but also the internal Mm -hmm. and like the mental is like, you know, you want straight hair, like growing up and wanting straight hair Mm -hmm. or, you know, wanting your skin to be lighter, Mm -hmm. like staying out, you know, staying out of the sun or whatever that bullshit Uh, is. Yes. Or if we think, you know, also just about morality, Mm -hmm. you know, this idea, this idea of sinfulness Mm -hmm. and like. How being queer or like loving mm-hmm. another man or mm-hmm. lo- a man loving a man or a woman loving a woman is mm-hmm. sinful. And mm-hmm. like, you know, this idea of Christianity and like how whiteness hinges upon that too. Totally. You know, and, and so, and it, that's how pervasive it is. Because yes. like we can't yes. articulate it, mm-hmm. but it has like really real kind of. That's such a good point. Manifestation. Yes. It's like, it's all around us. Completely. You know, some of my friends too, like they, they think that this idea of success means that you accumulate stuff mm-hmm. and you like accumulate things and you can say to the world like i've done this and, and then I you have join that. the boys club yeah exactly it's like i i i've come across some women who are like so stoic in the in their approach and like i don't know and i think maybe an answer to that and what we're exploring now is like this idea of going into our humanity in a way that involves like being in our feelings mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being vulnerable yeah. and Loving who we love mm-hmm. and expressing ourselves how we want to express ourselves. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen white supremacy like I've seen it here at Smith. Too. Oh my god. This is yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just yeah. like No, this is this was it. This, this was it. this was the model. This is the epit this is the model. This is the this model. This is the model. It's crazy. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like 
whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's really intense. Yeah, and it's also, I think, from the perspective of, like, a woman of color, it's it's being able to identify the mediocrity, mediocrity mm-hmm. that is just, like, pervasive in the culture mm-hmm. that you don't have to be excellent. No. If right? you're white. <laughs> yes, exactly. You don't have to be excellent yes. if you're white to succeed. No, you can just be mad basic. You can be mad basic. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and, but if a white person likes you, you get everything. Yeah, and is yeah. familiar with you, or you're familiar to them, Yeah, you can get the job. You it's can like, get the job, you oh can get God. the position, you can be Taylor Swift. Yes. You can and make catchy Miley songs. You can be Miley. Act a fool, like act a damn fool. And act a fool and, and not be judged. And make mad money. And make money. And like be set up. You could be Macklemore. You could yeah. be Macklemore and you could win the best out rap album of the year against Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. That's yes. That's white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> That's white supremacy. That's white supremacy. That like for those of you who are unclear. Yes. That is what how, that is how it functions. That's how it operates. Because Kendrick was invisible. Yeah. Even though he like he slayed the whole he world. He slayed that album. Exactly. And <laughs> so those who like, knew and those who were woke and those who were actual, you know, hip hop heads, mm-hmm. rap fiends knew. But Macklemore had even, the numbers. Even Macklemore knew. Macklemore knew. Macklemore <laughs> apologized. And, but that goes back to your point about yeah. like how. So whatever. But, but he's really, he apologized. But he's going to take, really, take the money. He's going to get <laughs> the booking. He's going to take he, the Grammys. He's going to take like the he, Grammys and the dough and the endorsements. Yes. He's going to run with it. Exactly. And that's the shit that drives me crazy. Ugh. No integrity. No, no willingness to stand up and say this is fucked up. I know my shit wasn't better. Exactly. Exactly. And to challenge it. And to, yep. I had a friend ask me recently, well, what does it look like when a person challenges white supremacy? And I, and I said it would mean sacrificing those opportunities. Yeah, your ego. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging that an opportunity is unfairly, you know, being warranted to you. Like, mm-hmm. if Macklemore had actually given up the Grammy or made a statement that he couldn't accept, not just an apology to Kendrick, I think that would have been... A step in that direction. Yeah. If you would, I mean, what's a Grammy? What it means nothing. It's, it doesn't mean anything. It's a thing. Like it's a, it's a fucking. It's a. It's an it would have been exactly, and it would have been so it's easy for him to say this is bullshit. Yes. It's meaningless to me. Because you know, I mean, he's still gonna have the Grammy. Exactly. I mean, even if you exactly. were to give it to Kendrick, or I mean, not to give it to Kendrick, but rescind. But the or, yeah, to rescind the award and yes. just say like I don't Make want a state, it. Like, yeah. I don't put out a statement. It. Exactly. He's still gonna have like the exactly. symbolism of that. That act of that, that that academy giving him that award, like, still carries the weight. Exactly. Like, he can have the bookings, he can have the money, he'll still be successful. Exactly. And, yeah. But to, to put yourself out there and to... Make a demonstration. To make a demonstration, yeah. to, you know, to be a target for hate, because he, he would have received plenty of hate. But, no. Yeah. He, he issued an apology, a public apology... To Kendrick, and I think he ended up deleting it because he realized that was inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough time on Malcolm they stay, Moore. They stay doing that. Yeah. yeah. Stay doing that for real. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, I think that's always good too. You know, for us to challenge ourselves or to at least make sure that we're clear about we know things. This is the thing about women of color feminism. Is mm-hmm. because it's, it's not about like the mental and cerebral process. It's not. It's, it's so visceral. It is. It's like inside of us, and like, and we know, and we know it, and we've always known. And, and even that 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 yes. that section that said, you know, we've been think we thought we were crazy. We yes. thought we were crazy for a number of years before learning these things, but we always knew. Yeah, 
it was always unsettling. Racism is isn't it never flies by like it never goes down easy. No, it's always exactly. clear and apparent and uncomfortable. For yes. those, especially for those on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. So so what like when we name things like white supremacy, it's good for us mm-hmm. to <laughs> to um, just articulate, you know, articulate, you know, what it is that we we're talking stand about. Against, yeah, you know, just because I it's good for me. Right. I can say personally, it's good for me just to like repronounce, rearticulate, reassess, reanalyze yeah. like my position. Um, because it keeps us accountable yeah. to one another, and also just keeps mass in check. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I, I would never, I would never want to go out into the world now that I'm graduating with this old, you know, quote unquote degree, and think that I could like some of the stuff in this book articulates is like, in, you know, bully, mm. you know, bully people through mm-hmm. consciousness, mm-hmm. like Loretta Ross once said. Mm. You know, you can't take what we learn here and and try to hold it against people like you know i learned something you should know this like yeah you know why don't you know what white supremacy is right you should know it you you fucking operate under it every day right but and that's not fair that's not cool so i think it's always it i think it's good this was good for me yeah yeah yeah. like this you know like no that was was good good for me me too and i tend to always think about the structural because i think it's it's a bit more tangible for me like to Mm -hmm. to articulate but um, but no, it's the everyday experiences. It's, it's like you said, it's the wanting to straighten your hair. It's to compare yourself to someone who's fair skinned mm. and to feel like you are less beautiful or less worthy of Sammy love. Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. We've been talking about the Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. What's he doing with you know, himself? Like, rest in peace, black Sammy Sosa. Yeah, we saw a beautiful, <laughs> we found a beautiful uh, photograph of you, bla- brown and, and um, full of your glory. Mm. And to see what's happened to him is just like. It's devastating, and the fact that no one talks about it. I know. I know. We laughed when Michael became white. Mm. Like, we made fun of him because we understood why. Mm. Isn't that tragic? Mm. We got it, but mm-hmm. we still made we made him out to be a fool for mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so tragic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Sammy Sosa has become, has made an effort to become a white man. And like, quite literally. Quite literally, with yeah. blue eyes. And... <sighs> This is a black man we're speaking about. And like, but how, how does it happen? How does it happen? Like, how does he look Imagine the opposite, the people. Yeah. yeah. Like, exactly. Imagine a black, no, a white person. Okay, imagine Iggy <laughs> saying, oh fuck this God. shit. I want to be black, y'all. Like, fuck you. I'm going to do it. How could she do it? She couldn't. Right? For one. But Damn, imagine. Yo. It just never happens. Thank you, mm-hmm. girl. You sure you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this Hershey's yeah, is everything right now. Candy cane, um, peppermint, because it's almost Christmas. You can't turn black. You can tan. You can tan as much as you want to. Mm. You can't be black. And there is this phenomenon in black countries. And it doesn't even, not even black countries, but countries with people of color where whiteness is, is, is white. Mm-hmm. You can go to Asia, you can go to Africa, you can go to South America, you will find, you, North America, it doesn't matter, Europe, you will find people trying to whiten up mm. and lighten up. And the fact that people deny race, racism and white supremacy when we have those markers right there. Everywhere. Mm. Everywhere. is It's really sad. Yeah, so I guess going back to your point before mm-hmm. we got into this conversation with like this idea of performance, mm-hmm. do you remember what you were going to share about that? Um, I don't. 
Okay. <laughs> who are we talking about? Memory. That's what happens when you I know. talk. I know. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking about performance. <laughs> We're talking about performativity. When we uh, talk to. Yeah. <laughs> performativity of um of uh whiteness. Whiteness. Was it intelligence too or something? I don't remember. I I don't either. Yeah. We were talking about <laughs> Listen y'all. It's finals week. Yes. <laughs> But I think we did make that point on white supremacy. Very yeah, clear. Yeah, and also I think performance too. I think yeah, we might have spoken a little performing bit. Whiteness, perform- performing whiteness, performing blackness, mm. which is a thing. We talk a lot about code switching. Oh, that's what it was. was code it? switching. Yes, code, code switching, switching. performance. Yes. yes, and what that looks like at Smith on campus. <coughs> we code switch throughout the day here, mm-hmm. or or at least we're conscious of who we're saying things around even though I, I feel like i'm giving a lot less fucks at this point of the semester than i was in the beginning if anything yes. i want to agitate and yes. i i enjoy having a very loud conversation about race and white supremacy and seeing <laughs> tables of white women get really quiet next to me because it's just necessary and we also Isn't have that shit like oh my god it's kind of like really satisfying it's so satisfying <laughs> to make white people uncomfortable talking about something their ancestors created it's like because it's not owned mm. by them but no it's our lived experience and we're forced to deal with it every day so yeah i find a lot of sat- satisfaction in talking about race and racism and the fuckery in the presence of white people who i know are not going to say anything about it mm. because they can't they can't argue with it yep Although we have been talking about how curious we are about what happens behind doors. Right. With these groups. Oh, yes. Yes. And that maybe we'll return to that yeah. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> at some point. Do we want to read more? Yeah, we should. I think okay. This is... Yep. Go ahead. Okay. So this is what we believe. Above all else, our politics initially sprang from the shared belief that black women are inherently valuable, that our liberation is a necessity, not as an adjunct to somebody else's, but because of our need as human persons for autonomy. This may seem so obvious as to sound simplistic. Persons for autonomy. And I think this is where we're like, yeah, this is where we're like, holy shit. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. (laughs) That's right, that's right. This is literally where we're like, like, this is Black Lives Matter, basically articulated very simply in 19, what, 70? (laughs) That... Black women are inherently valuable. This may seem so obvious as to sound simplistic, but it is apparent that no other ostensibly progressive movement has ever considered our specific oppression as a priority or worked seriously for the ending of that oppression. Merely naming the pejorative stereotypes attributed to black women, e.g. mammy, matriarch, sapphire, whore, bull dagger, let alone cataloging the cruel, often murderous treatment we receive, indicates how little value has been placed upon our lives during four centuries of bondage in the Western Hemisphere. We realize that the only people who care enough about us to work consistently for our liberation is us. Our politics evolve from a healthy love for ourselves, our sisters, and our community, which allows us to continue our struggle and work. This focus upon our own oppression is embodied in the concept of identity politics. So we now know this as like the term quote unquote intersectionality. Yes. But they, they were like doing this way before there was a term for it. Yes. You know, Kimberly Crenshaw, yeah. professor at, at Columbia, she kind of 
theorize the term identity politics by naming it intersectionality. And I think that that would also be good for us to do too, is kind of like just try to understand how language is can be isolating. Mm-hmm. So like, because now in some spaces we say intersectionality, we're not saying identity politics, right. which is really what it is. Exactly. You know? So that's also a thing of the academy. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you gotta, that's code switching and totally. like performing, totally. you know, we could just speak to each other right. from the heart and like from what's happening without using all of this fancy ass language. Exactly. Um, this focusing upon our own oppression is embodied in the concept of identity politics. We believe that the most profound and potentially the most radical politics come directly out of our own identity, as opposed to working to end someone else's oppression. In the case of black women, this is particularly repugnant, dangerous, and threatening, and therefore this and therefore revolutionary concept because it is obvious from looking at all the political movements that have preceded us that anyone is more worthy of liberation than ourselves. We reject pedestals, queenhood, and walking ten paces behind. To be recognized as human, levelly human, is enough. Mm -hmm. We believe that sexual politics under patriarchy is as pervasive in black women's lives as they are, as are the politics of class and race. We also often find it difficult to separate race from class from sex oppression because in our lives they are most often experienced simultaneously. We know that there is such a thing as racial sexual oppression, which is neither solely racial nor solely sexual, e.g. the history of rape of black women by white men as a weapon of political repression. Although we are feminists and lesbians, we feel solidarity with progressive black men and do not advocate the fractionalization that white women who are separatists demand our situation mm. as black people necessitates that we have solidarity around the fact of race, which white women, of course, do not need to have with white men, mm. unless it is their negative solidarity as racial oppressors. Mm. We struggle together with black men against racism, while we also struggle with black men about sexism. We realize that the liberation of all oppressed peoples necessitates the destruction of the political economic systems of capitalism and imperialism as well as patriarchy. We are socialists because we believe the work must be organized for the collective benefit of those who do the work and create the products and not for the profit of bosses. Material resources must equally be distributed among those who create these resources. We are not convinced, however, that a socialist revolution that is not also feminist and anti-racist revolution will guarantee our liberation. We have arrived at the necessity for developing an understanding of class relationships that takes into account the specific class of black women who are generally marginal in the labor force, while at this particular time some of us are temporarily viewed as doubly desirable tokens at white-collar and professional levels. Mm tokens again again right? <laughs> it, keeps coming up. it keeps coming up for a reason yep. <laughs> we need to articulate the real class situation of persons who are not merely raceless sexless workers but for whom racial and sexual oppression are significant determinants in their working economic lives although we are an essential agreement although we are an essential agreement with marxist theory as it applied to the very specific economic relationships he analyzed, we know that his analysis must be extended further in order for us to understand our specific economic situation as black women. A political, mm. Mm. A political contribution, which we feel we have already made, 
is the expansion of feminist principle that the personal is political. In our consciousness raising sessions, for example, we have in many ways gone beyond white women's revelations because we are dealing with the implications of race and class as well as sex. Even our black women's style of taking, testifying in black language about what we have experienced has a resonance that is both cultural and political. We have spent a great deal of energy delving into the cultural and experiential nature of our oppression out of necessity because none of these matters has ever looked, none of these matters has ever been looked at before. No one before has ever examined the multi-layered texture of black women's lives. An example of this kind of revelation conceptualization occurred at a meeting as we discussed the ways in which our early intellectual interests had been attacked by our peers, particularly black males. We discovered that all of us, because we were smart, had also been considered ugly, smart ugly, quote unquote smart ugly crystallized the way in which most of us have been forced to develop our intellects at great cost to our social lives. That's our life mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, for real. The sanctions in the black and white communities against black women thinkers are comparatively much higher than for white women, particularly ones from the educated middle and upper classes. As we have had, as we have already stated, we reject the stance of lesbian separatism because it is not a viable political analysis or strategy for us. It leaves out far too much and far too many people, particularly black men, women, and children. We have a great mm. deal of criticism and loathing for what men have been socialized to be in this society, snaps, what they support, how they act, and how they oppress. Mm -hmm. But we do not have the misguided notion that it is their maleness, per se, i.e. their biological maleness, that makes them what they are. As black women, we find any type of biological determinism a particularly dangerous and reactionary basis on, upon which to build a politic. We must also question whether lesbian separatism is an adequate and progressive political analysis and strategy even for those who practice it, since it is so complete, so, since it so completely denies any but the sexual sources of women's oppression, negating the facts of class and race. Mm. Hey. <laughs> right? So good. Trans-inclusive. You made a note here. Mm -hmm. This is trans-inclusive. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it was really... Because um, we think about the ways... Like, if we think about the way men or quote-unquote males or... Um, or quote-unquote men, meaning males, mm -hmm. <laughs> gender-assigned mm -hmm. people who are assigned male, um, operate in our lives mm -hmm. and, like, what that looks like. You know, for for me, it's like the the only person who's ever demonstrated gentleness to me in the form of a quote-unquote male body mm -hmm. <laughs> has been my husband, Danny. Mm. Like, he's the only other person. I feel like every other male who's been in my life has never demonstrated the kind of, like, femininity mm. or what we would call femininity mm. in their body. Mm -hmm. And that includes, like, love and tears mm. and tenderness mm. and... um. And it's slow. Mm. You know, it's not It's not even about our sexual connection. It's It's more about the way we engage one another. So, like, broadly, I think, you know, men are... We understand that men are, like, supposed to be this masculine thing that mm -hmm. make the money and, like, mm -hmm. and protect their women if they need to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they need to walk around with their shoulders stiff, mm -hmm. you know, and their biceps. Mm. And, like, what... Um, mm. uh, you know, how does that negate, like... You know who they are as human beings. Mm. You know, like 
where, where does that leave their humanity if they're always meant to perform this kind of strong, mm. impen- impenetrable, like, being, mm. you know? And, and, and what does that do to their psyche? Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, even when you, we're fighting with loved ones and mm-hmm. we're trying to get them, whether it's our father mm-hmm. or our, our loved ones or brothers or whoever, like, and we're trying to explain something to them and their immediate reaction is, if it's not deflection, it's, mm. it's you're crazy. Yeah. You know, it's you're your, something's wrong with you. Yeah. That you're, like, bringing this, sh- like, emotional shit up. You're emotional. You're exactly. crazy. Like, you need to go take a seat. You're out of control. You need to, yeah, yeah, you're out of control. You need to think about it. Mm-hmm. And... And how, you know, yes, I mean, I yes, don't know how that happens, yes, you know yes. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just, this was, to me, was the first time that I had saw this kind of, like, addressing mm-hmm. of, of addressing, like, the male, the male, like, persona in society. I, it was in this statement, it was mm. like, you know, we need to question, mm-hmm. you know, the ways in which men are forced to think the way they're supposed to operate mm. in the world, mm. you know? It brings up a lot particularly when I think about Northampton, the town of Northampton and the lesbian community here and what it, and gender and gender fluidity and what it looks like to present male versus female and femme versus butch. Mm-hmm. And these are questions I've been bringing up a lot lately. And I've, it, it, I find it particularly disturbing, and I bring it up all the time, but I have to bring it up again on this podcast, that many of the women that I meet who identify as queer do not, and who do not identify as trans, str- particularly white women, struggle or, or adapt this performance of maleness that is fine, right? There's, mm-hmm. I mean, you can perform as any gender that you choose, but what I've noticed is that it takes on like this traditional white male patriarchal Ooh. stance yeah. of misogyny yes. as well. And to be encounter to uh, encounter oh misogyny among queer women, lesbian mm. women, has been the most like shocking experience of my life. And I, I never imagine thought imagine that unsettling. It's I, so unsettling. Yeah, and I, and I checked that. this with other people, with other mm. traditional students and and learn that this is actually something that many people experience, that many women on this campus experience is misogyny within the butch lesbian community. That is so And it's not talked about. It's not it's talked about. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about presenting male. We don't talk about um, the need to take on traditional gender roles within lesbian relationships, within queer relationships. Um, and I wouldn't even label that as queer because it, my understanding of queerness is genderless. In mm. so many ways, I mean, it can, it can, Genderless, it yeah. can be, it right. can be gendered if one chooses for it to be. But mm-hmm. I think, in its essence, it's to do away with any of those labels, right? Right. Um, and it's supposed to be something fluid. It's like it's like Native people. Yes. Yeah. You know, Native Americans have this idea of like two spirited people. Exactly. You know, because I mean, and who's to say that's male or female? Right. It's exactly. just like two spirits. It's just two spirited people. Yeah. yeah. So, so on the spectrum of of what we identify to be male, whether that be um, a, you know, aggressiveness or, yeah. um, yeah, but that's something that's really, that I hope to get to hear more about from people. And I hope people will comment on because I want to, I wonder if people have had similar experiences. It's just interesting too, to think about how, how are white women allowed to perform masculinity? Mm. Mm. 
and it's okay. Like they, mm. it can't be talked about. It's almost right. sexy. It's almost sexy. Like a lot it of is. women find totally that really sexualized. Sex- yeah, it's very sexualized. In popular culture too, the L word yes. popularized it. Right. Yeah. And with their put, butch characters. Yes. And and behave in a way that's like you know they can move about the world in a way where they don't have to worry about the implications of that. Right. And but if we think about a woman performing that kind of masculinity, right. Like right. what does that mean for? The woman to perform yes. that kind of butchiness and, or aggressiveness and, or white male patriarchy yes. stuff. Like, yes. What does that mean for like a black person doing that in the world who may or may not identify as female yeah. or male? Or, you know, or yeah, it was a woman. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, I don't know. Like I don't know. Because and for a person that can say that there are days where I feel like I identify what's labeled as more male or masculine i definitely have days where i feel like i want to present more androgynous right or i I want to present less feminine as i typically do Mm -hmm. that that's just something that baffles me Mm. because i understand the need to maybe it's my aries rising i don't know (laughs) but i understand the need to march and to go to war and Mm. to feel aggressive and to want to and to feel like a dagger through, through the world, you know, to mm. feel like I can cut through my day. Like, mm-hmm. I, I understand that that desire. And and I feel like it's motivated by something very, very um, genuine. And even though it's all performativity, at the end of the day, I feel that it's it's not coming from a place where it's a, um, a questioning of, um, you know, which gender is more valuable than another mm. or feeling like male is more beneficial to me than femme. It's just very much natural. Um, yeah, yeah, yo, <laughs> we're looking at the time and realizing yeah. that we are hitting, um, an hour. Yeah. So wrapping it up, I just wanted to talk about kind of what we find is the site of like love mm. and sustenance and like, yes. well, what yes. does that look like for, for, for communities of color, for, for black communities, for, for, you know, POC communities, mm-hmm. like, like, what does that look like? You know, like, it's, you know, because we, we know what immediately name our food. Yeah, food. <laughs> our food, is our one kitchen thing. table. For sure. Music. Music. Singing. Yes. Our fashion. Dancing. Fashion. Yes. It's like being in, you know, Closeness. staying up till four o'clock in the yes. morning and saying, it's a stretch. Can yes. you do like a little stretch thing? Yes. Can we stretch, please? Being concerned. Being concerned with each other. With each other. In a way that I think is very, it's very unique. It's very conscious of the burden that we mm. carry on the campus as women of color. Yeah. Um, it's true. Yeah. Like knowing that, that we're going to, you know, encounter our friends some days, just feeling the weight of mm. that shit mm-hmm. and knowing that we need to be present for them and be supportive of them um, in something that can seem completely like abstract to the rest of the world. Yeah. And, like, and, like what, you It's know, like being in the classroom and yeah. the race conversation is happening. Yeah. And like before you're strong enough to say anything about it. Right. To confront it when it's happening. Like you're in the room with your friends and you're looking yeah. at each other and you're like, yeah, you know, giving the face like, yeah, like the this, little side this shit is happening again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Those support. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. that acknowledging. Kind of, acknowledging that. like the kind of like unspoken spirituality yes. I think that POC people have. Yes. And like, Women, women have especially yeah um, and also operating from this this source of vulnerability that we talked a lot about in Audre Lorde's essay we read in class the uses of the erotic mm-hmm. allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and to be raw with each other um and to be in love with ourselves and to be in love with ourselves I think that's what I took away from this yeah, class yeah like, and 
it was almost devastating to learn like, how much no, I wasn't loving myself. Yes, right. But yeah, no, to love myself and to value the things that I have to say and to value what I bring to the table. Yes. And to value my arguments. For real. Like, cause it's not, cause, cause I think when we get, when we, when we get woke, mm. that shit is scary. It's scary as fuck. <laughs> that shit like, is scary yo, as fuck. What do I, that, that, what is this like, mean? Who, like mad yeah. people might need to leave my life right yeah, now. Exactly. And like, I might not just, be able to explain it to you. Yes. But I can't, I, I didn't realize until taking this class how much abuse I had been swallowing mm. throughout the years. Mm. You know, be it through comments, through, from my friends at the workplace. I talk a lot about my internship I had over the summer mm-hmm. and the experience of not calling people out when I was they were very brazenly being racist or sexist. Um, but yeah, I think valuing my argument, valuing that I'm not crazy and that I have something important to say and being able to name shit and call people out. Yeah, and that, and that like, sometimes... So- most times, or I'd say more than not, it's not about like that mental thing again. It's mm-hmm. like this feeling comes from like right in your totally. chest plate. Totally, that shit is like that stirring in your mm-hmm. belly. Mm-hmm. You know when when, when you know you need to leave. Yeah, when you know you need, or to, you leave, need to speak, or you need to speak, yes. or you need to cry, or yes. you see somebody passing and like they don't look so well. Right, and all you know something inside your belly says you right. check up on them. Right, like don't let that pass. You know, like don't let that pass you without contemplating it right because it's our reactions most oftentimes in this space are cerebral totally like how how am i gonna like thinking how am i gonna react to that yeah how what's can the, i articulate it in yeah, the best way what's the best thing to say and with, in like, the most academic I, way yeah, how can i sound smart and yeah. like intellectual so that people so that i'm taken seriously so that i'm accepted yes and, and so that people can think that i belong here yeah like fuck that yeah, you know, what? for what? You'll never belong. You'll never belong. You will never, never belong. belong. Exactly, yo. So, that's, say fuck. Yes. And cuss all cuss. fucking all day. All fucking day. Be as day. ratchet as you want Be to. Be as ratchet as It doesn't matter. From fucking Be a, from day one. To California. New Smithy. Yes, exactly. 2016. Yes. Be a thought from day one. And own that shit. Own it. Yes. Because. Or, or. Because never going to be. Or wrong. remain that's invisible. Right. Or remain invisible. Yes. To yourself. Even to yourself. Because you will disappear here. And that's tragic. Yeah. That's the worst thing. You that can, can disappear here. That's the worst thing. If that you're can not happen. careful. Yeah. For real. <sighs> wow. All right. We love y'all. Yeah. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you for the space to kind of like work through this. Yes. Stay tuned. Episode two. We need to continue this. It will. It will be continued. Yeah. This is living. This is moving and breathing. And this is for everyone to participate in. Yes. All right. Exciting. Love y'all. Bye bye. Bye. Uh huh. You're you're in April Fool's party. I am. April Fool's. Yeah. My mother was like, "No, you can't now." Screaming out the window, apparently to the neighborhood. I'm a labor. And like, <laughs> like stop playing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a Tuesday. A Tuesday. Ooh. Ooh. So it's going up. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday. 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 Here's the poem. Uh huh. Uh, Monday's trial is fair of face. Fair, fair of face. Fair of face. Okay. Tuesday's trial is full of grace. Uh-huh. Wednesday's trial is full of woe. 
Mm. Thursday's child has far to go. Child is loving and giving. <laughs> Saturday's child works hard for its living. Mm. But the child that is born on the Sabbath day is bonny and blithe and good and gay. Mm. Mm. And you born on Sunday? I know I was born on Saturday. Oh, okay.